1: Hi everyone, welcome to episode 267 of the Professional Bookner's Podcast, presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hello, Adam. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. Our football team won a, a game last night. <laughs> <laughs> we're recording this on Friday. We, as you may have heard, if you've listened to even like five minutes of any podcast, we're from Cleveland. And the Browns won a football game. First time since December 2016, is that correct? Yeah, I think it was 360-some days. Anyway, it was... So I'm very, I'm very tired, because my alarm goes off at 5, and the game stuff landed at, like, midnight, so. Yeah. Um, so go sports. <laughs> uh, today's episode is super, super cool. I interviewed Hank Green mm-hmm. um, of the Vlogbrother fame and, like, all, basically all of the internet. I think, I like, part of my description was, like, you may know him from the internet. Yeah. Um, John Green's brother is also, like, part of the email they sent me they're like he's john green's brother i was like i know who hank green is publisher come on um he wrote a phenomenal book called an absolutely remarkable thing that if you're listening to this on monday it comes out tomorrow on tuesday of this week uh it was definitely one of those days where he was like he had a line of interviews mm-hmm. and everything so i had exactly i think like 28 minutes or something they're like they even gave me a heads up ahead of time because they know that I'm long-winded. They're right. Like, he has a thing at 9.45, Adam, <laughs> and it's live, just FYI. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. Um, but the book is so good. It's so, so good. It's the best thing I've read all year. Um, That's pretty high praise. I know. because like, We get to read so many good books, but the, it just blew my mind. You know, It's one of those books where you – figure out that, like, you learn the premise early on, and you're like, okay, well, here's how this book will probably go. And it's, like, every single chapter is completely different than what you expect. Um, and it's all about, if you're familiar with him at all, like, I don't want to get into what the plot is, but, like, the kind of crux of the story is about how, at the end of the day, like, Hank really believes that the Internet is a good place and um, that you it's a place to come together and, and work things out. But it also talks about, like, how people with social media platforms that are like have huge followings that are just random people have no experience of like leading political and social right. conversations and how do they deal with it? And it's just it's very good. It's very good conversation. Also, I was the second one of his day, so he had a lot more to go. Right. I like guess I asked, I asked him before. Days. Yeah. I can't imagine. Well, that was, I asked him, I was like, so is this like one of those PR car wash things? He's like, yep, you're number two. I was like, all right, well, I'll try to have some fun with him. So, um, but it was really, really good. I hope you guys enjoy it because I got to geek out. I've been a huge fan of him and, and obviously John Green's for a long time. Um, if you haven't ever seen their videos, which I can't imagine you haven't. Right. Um, go to YouTube and just search for like Vlog Brothers or just search for Hank Green. You'll definitely find him. Uh, if people want to get a hold of us, how can they do that? They can go to our website, which is professionalbooknerds.com. Our social links are there. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram, at ProBookNerds. And you can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Yes, you can. Um, and we noticed something the other day. Uh, earlier this week for New Book Day, we did a – oh, sorry, last week at this point. We did a Reddit Ask Me Anything as Overdrive, and there were some links to the podcast, like a bunch of new people started listening. We so do. We have some new listeners. So hello. Um, definitely follow our social stuff if you are a new listener, and if there's anything you want to hear out of a book podcast, shoot us an email, because we respond to all of those as quickly as we can. We used to respond like right away, and now we have a really big email inbox where I like I'll look at it I'm like, oh no. I know. I haven't answered those in a while, but um Anything else you think people should know about? I think it's everything. Okay. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoy your Monday, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with Hank Green on the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. (music) Hi everyone, it's Adam again and I cannot believe I get to say these words right now, but I am joined by Hank Green, who you may know from basically every good thing on the internet. He is the (laughs) co-creator with his brother John of the Vlogbrothers YouTube channel and the amazing Nerdfighter online community as well as SciShow, Crash Course, VidCon and a myriad of other things that I spend all of my time on the internet. Uh, he has written, honestly, the best novel I've read this year called An Absolutely Remarkable Thing, and I'm so excited to geek out about it. So Hank, thank you for joining us today. Thank you very
0: much for having me.
1: <laughs> so would you mind kicking us off by maybe giving our listeners a brief description of the novel, because I know I will stumble all over my words if I try to do that.
0: Okay. I mean, I, I I guess I need more. I need practice doing this. <laughs> um, it is a book about a, a young woman. Um, she uh, it, it's sort of a, written as a memoir from her perspective, and she um, she's walking home from her, her job that she does not like very much, very late at night in New York City, and she stumbles across this weird statue on the street, and she sees it as some kind of art project, and calls her friend Andy, who she knows is. Uh, up for whatever and uh, they make a video with it and then basically she wakes up finding that this is a weirder thing than she thought it was and then it continues to get weirder and then like three steps of weird beyond that she's pretty pretty in the center of an international spotlight and has to come to terms with that but also with uh, a lot of big changes that humanity has to go through
1: (laughs) Sort of the beginning of it, anyway. Yeah. Um, so I have to say, first off, the the name of the 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 thing that she's kind of looking at. Um, they end up calling them Carl's, yeah. which is just I, it's the absolutely best. It's the best name in the English language. I laugh. I don't know why, but it just rolls <laughs> off the tongue. I was so happy that I got to use the word Carl's in my brain for the entire time. Um, and I, and I have to tell you, I'm, I'm curious, I'm going to do a deep dive into the the book question in a second, but did you name April Man and Andy after Parks and Rec by any chance?
0: That was not on purpose, and if, if I had noticed it, I would have not done it, I think. Um, <laughs> but by the time someone brought it up to me, I was like, oh, oh, well, I'll just change one of their names. And then I, like, looked at Andy's name, and I was just like, I can't change Andy's <laughs> name. I, like... It who he is. So
1: it was too late. It was too late for me. Totally fair. Um, I, so I feel like on its face, people are going to see a book that seems like it's all about a first contact story. But to me, there's just so much more. And the biggest takeaway that I really had, and, and I don't think it's a surprise coming from you know the, the platform and the background that you have, but it, to me, seems like you have a lot to say about the kind of connectivity and like stickiness of the internet in our society.
0: Yeah, and I like I think that I mean, big picture, I think that we have a tool that is extremely powerful and very new and we don't know what to do with it yet. And um and it's like, you know, it's like if you were going in historical time scales, we're like in the era of like 50 years after the invention of the printing press when everybody's like, "Oh, everything is going to change." <laughs> Uh, except that it only took 10 years after the invention of the internet for that to happen, um, or, or like the sort of widespread adoption of the internet anyway. And um, I, I think that we, like, we have a huge problem, and it is kind of the internet, but it is kind of, we don't know, we don't have rules for it yet. We don't have societal structures for it yet. We don't, like, we don't understand how powerful and destructive it can be but also how good and helpful it can be and so that that is a thing that i think about constantly because of how i spent a lot of time you know building communities on the internet and like really sort of being very pro internet and now i'm 2018 and i'm like oh hold on wait a second oh gosh (laughs) um and that that's been a shift for me and i've had to process it a lot
1: uh, but, I mean, I, I do think, like, one of my big takeaways from the book is that it seems like, at least maybe at your core, that you still do believe that the, the Internet and the, the massive online community that we have, it, it seems like you still believe it's a good thing, yeah?
0: Yes. I, but I also don't believe it's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I just think it's both a good thing and a bad thing. And, and I think that, like... I think that I'm an optimistic person. I believe in humans, um, and a lot of people don't, and so, uh, so like we will disagree on things. But I think that the internet is made of people, and that ultimately people figure things out, and we figure out a way to survive in whatever world is thrown at us. Um, I think so far, (laughs) Um, and and so like. I I think that right now the internet is doing more more good than harm mm-hmm. but I think that it might get worse before it gets better and I but I also think that like long run the printing press caused multiple wars but I wouldn't
1: want to live in a world without the printing press. It's a really really good way of saying that um, I there's these really intricate topics that are in this book about like the fact that you know at this point, kind of traditional media it's especially for like adult aged humans you know because adults are you know 18 and up it really isn't just standard media it's youtube personalities and and twitter and, and people like april may in the novel where she can become this sort of political or like social voice without really having an education in how to to do that and i imagine these things probably did they kind of come from your own personal experience about growing your platform and then having to know to understand that the things you say have you know receive massive interactions out there
0: oh yeah i mean it 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 came from a combination of like person like a a lot of stuff in this book came from personal experience and and or watching my friends go through similar things because i well i think thankfully started doing this when i was 27 years old Mm -hmm. so i had some experience being a human and, <laughs> uh, and like finding value in the world without this, but a lot of my friends who sort of started it when they were in their late teens, early twenties, um, had like it was it was more of a struggle. Um, and and so yeah, so both of those things, um, but but also like I that, yeah I didn't I wasn't able to write a book until I found that I had something that, that would be like. That I that I I needed to work through personally in a book length thing. Like a lot a lot of this was in a way like talk therapy. Mm-hmm. Like I was figuring it out myself as I was as as like April was going through her story. And and April like the the mechanic of the book allows for this really well. That April was telling this story in a future in which she can analyze her own decisions and uh, and and uh, be ashamed of them on the page. <laughs>
1: Well, and also, I think something that, you know, that I really loved about it is this realization, and I I know I'm guilty of it as well, is with April May in the book, when something happens in the story, her initial reaction is almost always be like, okay, I need to be the first person to comment on it. You know, it's the classic YouTube thing where someone Mm -hmm. just wants to comment first Um, (laughs) without ever really, but I feel like it's a really good point about a lot of us with social media. It's like... We all. A lot of people tend to think that it's more about being the first one to say something, as opposed to having something that might add to the conversation. Mm-hmm. And is it? Well, yeah, do that you was that, that wasn't that. really a question. How huh? that was very <laughs> terrible of me.
0: <laughs> well, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I will say that it. I don't know that this is a problem. I think it is a, a human nature problem, but I don't know that the problem is within with like. Your decision to do that, or my decision to do that, or April's decision to do that, because that is what is expected, and that is what is that is like how we are communicating on the internet right now. Like the 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 day that something happens is when all of the communication about it happens, which is the worst time. <laughs> like it's when we know the leak, and and then by the time we know, and like a fair amount of information, it's not trending anymore and so no one wants to read the article about it anymore and it's a disaster and so like like you know like april's realization that in in some ways she can control the narrative and by not commenting she is actually prolonging the story a little bit Mm -hmm. like those are that that to me is a, a a great like sort of this is one way in which we can get around human nature's like but it's happening now, so let's talk about it now, instinct. Which, of course, we have. like you mm-hmm. have the instinct to talk about it now because it's happening now at the moment when we know the least. And, it, and, the, and the news is sitting there covering the story 24 hours mm-hmm. a day and saying the exact same thing, which is that we don't know anything.
1: I have to tell you, I enjoy the kind of subtle irony of the fact, before we started recording, you were talking about how, you know, this book took you about four years to write. I enjoy the fact that the the commentary that you are putting out into the world about our immediate reactions to things and how we react on the internet is a, a novel that took you four years to write. It's the literal (laughs) opposite of of what people normally would do to react. I enjoy that very much.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe I'll use that (laughs) because I'm glad
1: you like it. And it it does resonate with me as well. Um, Something else that, i guess i've never really had to think about because i don't have a massive following like april may does on the internet but you go through this you know addiction with her where she is you know and she comments on it very honestly about the fact that she's addicted to seeing those numbers grow and the amount of people that are interacting and commenting and, and all these things and um, it's just a really unique perspective because I think a lot of times people who may not have a huge platform, they might not realize that this is something that, you know, you guys all go through it. It's, you know, fighting the, the urge to, to post something just to see those numbers grow. I mean, is that something that you, that you still kind of have to work through even now?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, I have a lot more mental structures to deal with it and also like personalized structures. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, do a podcast with my wife called Believe This," where she analyzes my social media behavior, um, and that is remarkably helpful. Because uh-huh. <laughs> um, every time I, I'm about to tweet something, I'm
1: like, I'm going to have to explain this to Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, a real, that's a really good uh, and, point, though. And she's going to be disappointed in me. Oh no, but that's a really good point because I'm I'm guilty of the same thing. Like I I feel like a lot of times all of it, we will tweet something out without the realization of. Who's going to read it? And, like, I'll tweet something out, and then, like, my mom will like it. And I'm like, oh, that's right. Actual human beings know me on this platform as well. And it is, like, it's something where I think you can lose touch of the fact, you know, it's always, you know, people feel like there's this invisible wall that no one sees them on the internet, but it is really, despite the fact that you're there just typing away on your own phone, like you said, your wife is going to see that, and and she's going to analyze it and probably give you some, some flack for it.
0: yeah. Yeah, it, it, the the thing that you say that, like, like when you, oh, there are people I know here, but all, also, like, in a weird way, Facebook and Twitter feel kind of, to me, like, particularly Twitter, mm-hmm. because Facebook is more socially oriented. Um, it feels like th- there are, there's an infinite number of people here, but there are also zero people. <laughs> like, the way that my brain is conceiving of it is, like, is, like... A room with only content in it, uh-huh. and I don't see. And I don't see there being a room with also people in it, and and I like and I don't like I don't imagine the people typing or sitting at their dinner table not paying attention to their family <laughs> and like scrolling through this thing. I just don't see it. I like it never even occurs to me that they're in a weird way. Even though I know a lot of these people personally or like know them because they're. Like famous authors that I follow on Twitter or something, I don't imagine the human being behind the content, which I think is a thing that we like have always struggled with. Except that now we have this content, constant barrage of information that feels disconnected in some weird way from from people, and and I think that if we actually imagined ourselves as like a bunch of people in a room together, mm-hmm. everyone would be much more careful. Uh, <laughs> but. Also, I think that if we imagined ourselves in a room together, Twitter would be much less successful because ultimately Twitter and Facebook are trying to lower the barrier of content creation so low mm-hmm. that you do make content even when you probably shouldn't be making content.
1: Well, and I think it also has to do with the way that just our our brains work. Like I was, I read this, um, this research article recently that talks about like our Brains and the way that our as humans were, we were designed to be in these like tribes of no bigger than like 125 or 150 people, and so like beyond mm-hmm. that, it's just hard for us to uh, to fathom. So I I ima- like I I wonder if like just because of how much faster technology moves than say you know like our our brains can yep. advance. I, I imagine imagine has something to do with the fact that like I couldn't possibly even like the minuscule following that I have, and like but like putting you know if you put something out there and you connect it to a hashtag or something that's trending. Like I I, I just imagine it, it's impossible for our brains to grasp the amount of people that could possibly see it. So like you said, it is very much, yep. it just feels like there's no one out there.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, that, that's true. But I, I also think that like we are in the process of creating, cause we don't really adapt to these things individually. We adapt to them culturally and mm-hmm. we're in the process of creating cultural systems that help us deal with these, Things better. We're just at the very beginning of that process.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so, parts of the of the novel involve. I'm not going to give anything away, but they involve these kind of puzzles and clues and things that people have to figure out. And there is a just incredible amount of information that I know you had to look up ahead of time and do research for. So, I'm curious, as a fellow nerd, what is the absolute nerdiest thing you got to research for the novel? <laughs>
0: Um, I mean, interestingly, the, the the best parts for me were the things that I wasn't able to look up online, and I had to have actual conversations with people. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, and so I I actually went to the school that April and Andy and Maya went to mm-hmm. um, that they had recently graduated from, and I got I was able to through my social media following meet with a few students, get a tour of a dorm room, uh, and do like a prospective student tour. Mm -hmm. And like that, like to me, that's the kind of like, like that's not maybe traditionally nerdy, but like to me, like a really nerdy examination of something is looking like as deep as you can. And it's like, yes, take me to your Manhattan (laughs) dorm room that like is three feet high with debris from your college life. that is what I want to see. I need that. Even, mm-hmm. even for something that's not in the book, like they, they're not in school anymore. Mm-hmm. I just like needed to know what their, what their life was like when they met. Cause like when the book starts, they're already friends and they've been friends for a long time. But like, I needed to like, like see the situation in which this friendship was formed. And, and those conversations, um, I also got to talk to, uh, an expert on, uh, air, like airplanes. Mm-hmm. And I just got connected with him through Twitter and I was like, tell me everything you know about Boeing plane. I just need to, like, we need to go one by one through the larger Boeing planes, and you need to tell me everything you know about, like, the mechanics bay and the <laughs> avionics bay and, like, how they connect to the fuselage and, or, or the cabin, the passenger cabin and, like... That was a really fun conversation
1: too. I love that you said that's a fun conversation because as I was getting that part of the book, and again, I'm not going to give anything away for people, but like, I was just imagine going through, I'm like, I feel like you could have either taken that one of two ways and been like, oh, this is going to be terrible stuff to research or no, I'm going to geek out about this and learn as absolutely as much as I can.
0: Yeah, I mean it was really cool to be able to talk to him, and I would be giving something away if I told that story.
1: Yeah, I well, that was that was exactly why I asked you. I didn't want to yeah. be like. So the thing yeah. with the plane, mm-hmm. I got yeah. I'm I'm treading water really carefully because this book, there's so many things yeah. in here that I like. I'm like, okay, if I say that, then everyone's gonna understand the first hundred pages. So I'm trying to. Yeah, yeah. It. Um, yeah. In, instead of doing that and and falling all over my words, I'm I'm curious. I saw a recent. Uh, video that you you did on your your youtube channel with your brother about people asking um or maybe it was on an article you you were interviewed for all about kind of competition between the two of you guys and as someone who is ridiculously close with my own brother of a, a close age of mine instead of asking that i'm going to ask like how many people have asked if you two are ever going to like write a novel like this together
0: um i don't know that anyone has ever asked me that I asked John that once a very long time ago. I was like, "What if we wrote a book together?" And mm. he was like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, and like having written a book now, I understand that because John and I are great collaborators, and we like each other a lot. <laughs> but when we spend too much time together, the 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 rope starts to fray. <laughs> um, and and writing a book together is like a very involved collaboration like it is it, it our our collaboration on the internet and and in business is very much like i make this you make this and then we we watch it but like trying to make a video which we have done before but making a video as like like i'll write part of it you write part of it and then we like edit it together like just that process of making a 700 word video is uh it, it, it's not i think great for the long term stability <laughs> of the of the unit
1: oh man as a as a person <laughs> with a brother 4 years my senior who i spent basically every day in a room with growing up I, you are speaking directly to my soul i i understand that on a cellular level <laughs> um all right given that we're a book podcast and we're all about book recommendations i want to ask what are some books that you have read recently that you're really excited about
0: um i just I I don't think that this is uh, like a particularly new book, but I just read Akata, which, which by, I just uh, was like, Oh, this is, I haven't had this feeling in so long, which, and I realized that the feeling I was having was like reading Harry Potter for the first time. Uh And I love that so much. Um, So I don't know when that book came out, but uh, it was, I'm very excited to, to read the rest of the series. Um, I just finished Anne Providence, which was totally unexpected. Uh I, uh, it was so, so weird and (laughs) different from, uh, from the, the rest of the, sort of rest of the books that take place in that world. Right. Um, and was so like funny and goofy and, Mm -hmm. uh, but also serious and like dealt with, you know, a lot of family issues, which I thought was really great. Um. And then I read Three Body Problem, which I don't know why it took me so long to read that book. Oh, yeah. That was, um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that was some, that's, again, like, I I got a a feeling of, like, the feeling I get when I'm, like, reading hard Mm sci-fi, um, that is really sort of, has a good, deep effect on me, and, makes yeah. me think about my place in the universe and then the other recent read that i really loved was the calculating stars mm-hmm. uh, by mary robinette Kowal. yes um the the lady astronaut the first lady astronaut uh-huh. novel and uh and i'm uh, the second one is out and i haven't read it yet and so i like i've, I've done this terrible thing where i've started all these different series mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and i have like so now instead of having like the next book i have to read i have i've got like uh three trilogies that i've started <laughs> and haven't finished
1: yeah oh that's so funny um
0: so i just yeah um but yeah i read a lot of as you can tell i mm-hmm. read a lot of sci-fi and mm-hmm. fantasy because that's you know spe- speculative is my jam absolutely um, i also read other things i lo- like i also really love mystery novels mm-hmm. um, i've been reading the Louise penny and chief inspector gamache novels
1: mm-hmm.
0: um you know on and off and uh, and I also just really love Harry Bosch and Michael <laughs> Connolly. So I, I, I read a lot of Michael Connolly while writing this book, actually, because mm-hmm. I really wanted to try and understand, like, good, well-plotted mystery. And hopefully that happened some in the book.
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, by the way, you were talking about Anne Lucky and how I was talking about earlier about You an Apple how it's, you know, clearly it's kind of something... You wanted to say about the the internet and where we're at and, and all that good stuff. We've actually had Anne on a few times. The episode I had a, I did an interview with her and NK Jamison where they were talking about like the importance of diversity and in science fiction. It was one of those moments where I just like shut up and let two much smarter people than me talk back and forth, and just like had my mouth <laughs> yeah, wide open. I'm like great. oh, it was so wonderful. Um, I, I know you're short for time, um, so I got one last question for you. What do you hope people take away from reading an absolutely remarkable thing?
0: Uh, I mean, I, I almost number one, I hope they have a really great time um, and that it's fun and that you of, you know, that like, I don't know. Yeah, that. <laughs> uh, and, and then and then uh, I think that number two, like it, the, the thing that that I always hope like the, the reason I always wanted to write a book is because I like books help me feel more empathetic and give me a perspective that I didn't have before and help me deal with things that like inside of me and outside of me. And mm-hmm. so if there's any of that, um, like understanding the the world that we exist in now and sort of have to exist in now and how, um, how, you know, it might, it, it's like fundamentally changing and we have to be really thoughtful and conscious of, of how, we create systems for dealing with these new tools that we have um that would be great but also fun
1: (laughs) (laughs) well hank the book is absolutely phenomenal i can't thank you enough uh for the book and for your time and really i appreciate it thank you for stopping by yeah thank you so much thanks it's a great conversation Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from OverDrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace.
0: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks.